Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. Yeah. How are we doing? All right. Glory to Jesus. So before I go into today's conversation, um, I feel I need to share this, okay? Uh, because many people are going through stress, especially related to work stress, especially work stress. And, you know, my recent research and reading, you know, makes me feel like it's not the work itself that brings stress many times, okay? But the lack of productivity sometimes in the work. All right, when you feel like you are spending so much time, so much effort, and you're not getting the desired results. That is where um, a lot of the stress comes from. All right? And I feel like some of the stress is self generated. Self generated. That our new generation habits of unfocused work is making us spend much more time at work while getting less results. That in between work, we are chatting, we are talking, we are tweeting, you know. So in so doing, the work that should take one hour takes nine hours and sometimes it still doesn't get done. So we live in a culture where it is now, it's now cool to have shared workspace, such that even in your office right now, it's, um, you're all in the same hall. You know, and it's meant to be cute, but oh boy, it's bad. Because while working, quickly just say a quick joke, everybody laughs. You know, you try to work again, another quick joke, everybody laughs. You know, you talk here, you gist here, you high five there, you have somebody there and all that, and by 5 p.m. wondering, what have I done today? It is cool, right? But we are being a lot less, a lot less productive, okay? Spending more time at work with more anxiety. So this is my encouragement. Let me beg you in Jesus' name. Separate work time from play time. Separate work time from play time. That if you really work four and a half hours every day, only you will get more done than you're doing now with your all-day work habits. Try it out. Try it out. That I will walk 90 minutes straight undistracted. I won't check my phones to be offline. I won't talk to anybody. I'll walk 90 minutes straight without talking to anybody. Then I'll have 15 minutes break where I quickly check my sweater and say to everybody, you know, take a pee and all that kind of stuff. Come back again, I'll walk another 90 minutes stretch. If you do that stretch three times, you'll have worked for four and a half hours, right? And I can place a bet with you now that you get more results now with it than you've gotten, you know, with your regular work behavior, working and talking all day, spending all day at work and achieving less results. So try it out and let's bring the bets to me in a week. Let's compare results, okay? So if you do this, you will kill the anxiety. You will kill it because you will get a lot, a lot more done. You will feel more productive and you feel better with yourself. Your brother will say, oh, what's money anymore? Yeah, eh? It's money I have, but I've borrowed you. I hope you use it right. All right? Another admonition. <laughs> I'll be saying it. Join political parties. This one we are doing is child's play. We are deceiving ourselves. And the political elites, they are enjoying it. They are enjoying you guys staying in your churches and praying alone. Oh boy, they love it. They won't tell you, pray for us. They don't mind you staying there, you know, just praying. Don't get involved. Amen. It, it has gone beyond get PVC. You must join a political party. Participate so that one day you are among those that will choose delegates. That is where the real power is. 
the people that choose the delegates that people get to vote for. That's what we are saying right now. Now it's now yet election. PVC, PVC, really? PVC. PVC is not the power. Choosing the delegates, choosing the candidates is where the power is. Go and join parties. Go for world meetings. Stop, stop, stop. We stop crying every four years. We now cry now. We keep quiet against another four years and cry PVC. Now cry. Amen. Amen. I would have joined. If I had to go back, I'm thinking of joining back now. Just that this pastor thing, I'm not sure it's not conflict of, not be in conflict of interest. But I'm really, 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 because maybe when I join and I tell you, you take it more seriously. Maybe you, maybe you actually take it more seriously then. Because it looks like I'm just talking now. Go and join a political party. You may not have influence today, but you can have in five, you can have in ten. Okay? But if you don't join now, ten years will still come and go, and you still, you still, you still lack influence. Final admonition for today's conversation. Create time to read. Create time to read books. So you can understand the way the world is. Many of us relate to the world the way we want the world to be, not the way the world is. And it does not work. Many of us relate to the world the way we want the world to be, not the way it is. The people that win relate to the world the way the world is. They are shrewd. They don't live in bubbles. They don't live in thin air. You must be a pragmatic idealist. You must be a pragmatic idealist that you know where you want it to get to, but you know where it is today. So your job is to start where it is today and take it to tomorrow. That's the only way it works. Read books. Be exposed. Observe. Beyond talking, be observing. Beyond opinions everywhere, be observing and seeing how things really, really work. If you make any real change, you must know how things work. Otherwise, we will hear trusting idealistic conversations, idealistic opinions that will not get any result. And be just talk, talk. After talking, we will cry. Let's learn how the world is. God himself deals with the world from the way the world is. When you read the Bible, the thing that God allowed, it's not like it. But you could not ban it outrightly. So we'll tell them, you know, um, we'll tell them here, when you have slaves, care for them in so and so and so way. Because you tell them outrightly, at that particular point in history, don't have slaves. They cannot practice it. Again, money I have, I borrowed you. You start from where the world is and take it forward. Start from where the world is and take it forward. All right. So, God didn't do it part two. God didn't do it part two. Father, this evening we ask for understanding and grace to accurately discern your character in Scripture. Lord, I understand that this is, you know, tricky waters to go into. All right, but we expect you know that by your grace and your help, we do this accurately, we do this diligently, so that you know we, your people, you know we are left knowing better and better who you are, what you can do and what you can't do. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. All right, glory to Jesus. If you don't understand the character of God, everything will be up for misinterpretation. If you don't understand the character of God, everything will be up for misinterpretation. Our faith will be wrong. Our expectations will be wrong. Okay? And our experiences will be wrong. If I don't understand my wife, <laughs> I will misinterpret her communication. I will misinterpret her communication and our actions. I will accuse her of meaning something by our words while she meant something else. Now, if you've had a woman in your life for a while, you know this part is very real. That what she said and what she really said are two different things. Nobody can relate to me here. You need to get married. <laughs> that what she said and what she, re what she really said are two different things. Woman, you, am I correct? That's when you say something, but what you really said 
it's not what you said. It just it looks, you know, that the person has to understand you. The person has to understand you, speak your language, in quotes, to understand what you're saying. Am I communicating? Who can relate here? So if I don't know ah, you know, what she said that I hear will not be what she really meant. That our communication to me is not just our words, it's our personality, our character, our facial expressions, our body movements, that go. It's not the same thing as go. That if I go, I might be in trouble. Do you understand? So in so many ways also, when we don't understand God's character, we can consistently misread scripture. Second Peter 1, 2021. Second Peter 1, 20 to 21. Going through scripture, it must start with accurately understanding the personality of God. Once I miss that, I've missed everything. Once I've missed the personality of God, I have missed everything. Are we there? 2 Peter 1, verse 20 to 21. Once to go, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention. Are we, are we together? Am I in NIV? <laughs> My Bible wants to slide me. I shall not be slide. NIV now, yes? Second Peter 1, 2021, 2021, 20 to 21. Oh, I was in verse 19, I'm sorry. Verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 17. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it says first and first that no scripture came about by somebody's, you know, um, personal will or desire. People did not make things up, okay? But only men wrote, okay, as they were inspired by God to say that the Bible is God-inspired. All right? Second Timothy 3.67 says that the scripture is God-breathed. Now, it did not say God-dictated. God inspired, God breathed, not dictated. So it is God breathed, man written. God breathed. Why, why is my sound going up now? Is it me? God breathed. Maybe it's this. God breathed. Yes, yeah, it's happening. I feel like I'm going off and on. Abby? God breathed, man written. All right, let's go. All right. It's happening again. It's going off and on. Is it fine now? But you can see it, Abby. Amen. Amen. I think it's better now. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay. All right. So, God breathed, man written. God breathed into the acts of men that wrote. So, it is a divine book 
that is also a human book. I still feel like I'm fluctuating. Is this guy okay? Is the receiver the what? Is it good? It's not shaking. All right. It's a divine book that is also a human book. A human book because human authors wrote them out. Please follow me closely, okay? And it's, a, it's God's book because it is God's words written by man. Now, it is not, you know, human's writing words that God dictated. It's not like a transcribing a phone call or something like that, okay? No. God inspired, please follow me, men wrote down in their own words cultural context, poetic blend, you know. So imagine you breathe a note into two musical equipment, into a trumpet and a sax. Now, you breathe in the same note, but it comes out, you know, in different ways. But it's the same note that comes out of two instruments, you know, the same way. All right? So it's also with scripture that, you know, it is God's um, it's God breathed, but humans wrote it out in their own language, in their own um, cultural context. Okay, so that you can still see, you can see the humanity of the authors in their writings. See their education, their temperament. You know, you see those stuff like that. Okay, in their writings. Okay, you see also their cultural, you know, influences. Glory to Jesus. Okay, so God did not seize their hands to write those things out. They are not machines, okay? So you still see their humanities in what they wrote. For when deity, when God has, you know, in quotes, condescended to speak by the mouth of men, he has always left them to use the most of expression, correct and intelligible in the age in which they lived. Did you get that? So someone's quote. That for when deity, when the deity has condescended, I'm quoting that, to speak by the mouth of men, he has always left them to use the mode of expression, current and intelligible in the age which they lived. So our task is to interpret in scripture, okay, the character the art and the intention of God to separate God's character from, from you know, the, the um, how do I put it now? From the limitations of men's context. Are we together? All right? So now, it can be tricky, okay? So it's why it must be a patient study. The point here is that when you see things that look foreign to God, before you make a conclusion, you will sit down. Okay? Read it again. Think about it. Do a thorough research. Alright? That when you read parts that speak as though God did intense evil, before you conclude God to be a moral monster, you take a breather. Okay? You read again, do a research to see what actually happened there. All right, so let's go over again, okay? I was something said last week, okay, and let's take it further. Rules of Bible interpretation for the character of God. Rules for Bible interpretation for the character of God. Number one, God is a source of only good. Only good things come from God. Far be it from God to do evil. Hallelujah. Bible says in Matthew 7, 18, it says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad fruit cannot bear, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. First John, this is the message of earth for me that we declare to you. God is light. Don't change the battery. They're distracting me. First John 1 John 1.5. 
this is the method that we heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him, there is no what? Darkness at all. That God is consistent. He is not good and bad. God is always good. All right? Are we good online, though? Am I clear? Am I clear online? All right. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, though you are evil, Gigi, now the evil there means you are natural, regular men, okay? Not necessarily doing evil, okay? But even though you natural men with your evil inclinations, all right? If you then, being evil, all right, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? All right? James 1. I'm reading our scriptures here that defines the character of God. I want to fight technical people this evening. James 1, 13, 17. Are we there? James 1, 13 to 17. We see in Mark 7, 11, that God only gives good gifts. All right? And the gifts of God are good gifts. Now, James 1, 13 to 17. Want to go. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 16. Do not be afraid, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, the word tempted there doesn't only mean sin, you know, sinful temptations. It means affliction. It means to try to, to test with pain. Okay, so say that God does not test us, does not afflict us, does not tempt us. All right? That every good gift, meaning only good gifts, comes from the Father above. Hallelujah. All right? Coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not what? It does not change like shifting shadows. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So he's saying God does not, it's not today good, tomorrow bad. That is only good, it's only light, it's not darkness. Glory to Jesus. All right? So we must see clearly the character, okay, of God. That God is, the, is only a source of good things. All right? And God is love. First John 4 it. God is love. And we see in 1 Corinthians 13 how the Bible describes the characteristics of love. So those are the things that we expect to see and hear of God. All right? Things that are born, you know, and done in love. All right? Glory to Jesus. Number two, all views of God must be seen through the Jesus grid. All views of God must be seen through Jesus. Not through Job or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Moses. Moses is not called the image of God. Amen. So all views of God's character must be seen through the personality of Jesus. So if I see something that doesn't align with Jesus' character, I must question if it is really God. So we see in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 
4.4. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All right? That Christ is the image of God. Christ is the image of God. Not Moses, not Jeremiah. Okay, Christ is the image of God. Colossians 1.15. Colossians 1.15. Colossians 1.15. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact... Um, help, me there, help me there. Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Okay, is that, is that the attention of his being? Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Yeah, the idea is that it's God's, you know, exact representation. That Christ is God's exact representation. Glory to Jesus. All right? 1 John 5.20. 1 John 5.20. Want to go. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So it says we know that just, just has come to give us understanding so that we may accurately know God. It now says, this Jesus is the true God and eternal life. So Jesus, you know, accurately reflects the character of God. When he says, I and my Father are one, he's telling us something that we think the same way, we rock the same way, we are, we are the same. All right? So the word image there is from the Greek word... Um, E-I-K-O-N, icon. Okay? E-I-K-O-N. Strong's 1504. All right? Glory to Jesus. So it, 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 it means, you know, um, a prototype of which not merely resembles, but from which it is drawn. A prototype of which it not merely resembles, but from which it is drawn. Then it's more than a shadow, rather it's a replication. A replication. To show us that Jesus replicates God. All right? Replicates God. So when we see Jesus, we are seeing the character of God. So when I have questions about stuff that don't look like Jesus, and he said God I did it, I have to pause and look at it well. Okay? Now what exactly is going on here? All right? Now, in some places, we easily find out what happened there. While in other places it's more difficult, that's fine. The places where you do, when you do the research, you find out what happened. And other places where it's fine. Other places where you know things are a little more difficult to get what happened, okay? But just relax, okay? Don't don't be quick to conclude that God did something nasty. Because we see in Christ that Christ not tempt anybody, he don't make anybody sick, he's not called down famine or, or other disasters, you know, to punish the enemy and stuff like that. Okay. On the contrary, he went about healing the sick. Raising the dead, feeding the hungry, delivering people from sin, and stuff like that. Even when he was bounced from his sister, when they bounced him, and his disciples said, Let's call down fire. He told them, Nope, we don't do that here. Okay, that you don't know what manner of spirit that you are of. Okay, number three, learn to understand the language of the Bible. Learn to understand the language of the Bible. Learn to understand the language of the Bible. Understand the Bible's language, okay? Let's understand the language of the Bible. 
So um, I'm in speech therapy, okay? So um, they give us things to try out and stuff like that. Sometimes it's easier than other times, okay? But it gets better, okay? So if I suddenly pause, I try to practice our stuff in class. It doesn't work today, it work tomorrow, okay? So, <laughs> but we, we rock, <laughs> hallelujah, yeah. All right? Okay, so understand the Bible's language, okay? Learn that God used language, culture, and idioms of the people that recorded the Bible, that recorded the Word of God. That God used their language, their culture, and their idioms. That the Bible has no contradictions. The Bible has no contradictions. There is only a failure to thoroughly examine the Bible's language. Okay? Every culture has its idioms, okay? So we must understand, you know, try to examine scripture, knowing that, okay, God wrote, you know, God allowed the Bible to be written in people's understanding, you know, in their culture, in their idioms. Number four, understand the Hebrew permission idiom. Understand the Hebrew permission idiom. The Hebrew permission idiom. Understand the Hebrew permission idiom. All right? An idiom is a form of speech that is into one's culture. All right? Now, the Hebrew permission idiom states that God is said to do what he permitted. It is written in Scripture in some places as though God did what he only permitted. This is the Hebrew permission idiom. God is said to do what he only permitted. So, it's written in Scripture as though God made it happen, as though God sent it when he only permitted it or when he did not interfere. So it's not as though God is telling, it's not, not as though God is willingly allowing stuff to happen, okay, but God is said to do it when, you know, it happened. God is said to do that which he merely allowed or permitted. So we must take this into, 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 into cognizance when we approach verses that talks as though God did something destructive. All right? Are we still good? Number five. Number five. That there are translations of permissive verbs, okay, as causative verbs. Translations of permissive verbs as causative verbs. There are parts in scripture where a permissive verb is written down as a causative verb. Based on the translator's bias. Now don't forget that our, our Bible was written, was changed into English from Hebrew and Greek. Okay, so when words have two different meanings, the translator will now begin to, with some interpretation, choose which meaning, you know, it thinks works. Do you understand? So there are parts where a word might mean two different words, like, okay, for example, a word like Nathan, the Greek word, an Hebrew word, N-A-T-H-A-N, could mean allow, could mean put, could mean permit, could mean different things, okay, but when you come from a, a perspective where God, God does everything, you will choose put, you will choose send. Do you understand? All right? So this, this helps us to go easy when we see those things. Now, for example, when we see 1 Kings 2023, 1 Kings 2023, where the Bible says that God sent a lying spirit. That God sent a lying spirit. Now, when you read, we'll, we'll do that particular, that particular chapter next week, okay? We'll see that it's more, it's more like God permitted. When we read the, the verse, the, the, the entire book, the entire chapter itself, we'll see that God permitted. God did not put. Okay, but it was written there as God sent a line, but God did not send. Okay, so some places where the author, the translators, okay, used a 
Consecutive verb, c'est le permissive verb. Number, what are we now? Six. The Bible is its own commentary and dictionary. The Bible is its own commentary and dictionary. The Bible doesn't contradict itself, okay? The Bible is not contradictory, but rather explanatory. The Bible doesn't contradict itself, rather it explains itself. The Bible doesn't contradict itself, rather it explains itself. The Bible doesn't contradict itself, it explains itself. So we understand an unclear scripture by what? By a clear scripture. We understand an unclear scripture with a clear scripture. Second Samuel 24 verse 1. 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 Are we there together? It says in Second 24 verse 1, again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. Look at this. And he indicted David against them, saying, go and take the census of Israel and Judah. He says here that God was angry against Israel and then told David to go and number Israel and Judah. He now got angry and punished Israel and Judah for numbering <laughs> for numbering Israel and Judah. First Chronicles 21 verse 1. First Chronicles 24 verse 1. First Chronicles 21 verse 1. This one now says, Satan rose up against Israel and indicted David to take a census of Israel. Look at that. One said, God did it. Another said, the devil did it. Now, common sense tells us that God will not tempt you <laughs> and then punish you. And we read earlier in James 1, 10, 17, that God does not tempt anybody. So we know clearly who the tempter is here, that the tempter is Satan, okay? That God is said to do what he permitted or did not stop. So someone wrote that as, you know, and God permitted, that should be the meaning that we see there. Not that God made, you know, David do it, but that God allowed him to do his foolishness. Do you understand? All right? So we interpret an unclear scripture with a clear scripture. The Bible explains itself. Number seven. We interpret the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. We interpret the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. This is what we mean by interpreting scripture with scripture. That the Bible explains itself. Alright? So that we don't, we don't accuse God of doing something that we see in the Testament that he does not do. Let's see an example. Ezekiel 14.9. Ezekiel 14.9. Ezekiel 14.9. Are we there? Ezekiel 14.9. And if the prophet is enticed to utter a prophecy, look at that. I, the Lord, have enticed that prophet. And I shall try, 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 try the mind against him, and I will destroy him. Mm, that God is saying here that if a prophet, you know, says a lie, that he, God, has enticed the prophet to say a lie. It's as though he's saying here that God makes the prophet to lie or lies to the prophet. Hebrews 6.18. Hebrews 6.18. Hebrews 
Hebrews 6.18. Are we together? Are we awake? Are we here? Hebrews 6.18. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. I said we interpret the old in the light of the new. We see in New Covenant that it is impossible for God to lie. So anywhere we see that it says that God lied, we know that that part is not, that, that's not what it means. So that part, that part could be better seen as, you know, that God allowed the prophet to hear the lie he wants to hear. Are we together? All right. Titus 1-2. Titus 1-2. Titus 1-2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised for the beginning of time, again, that God cannot lie. All right? So we know that the liar is Satan. God does not lie. But God can allow people to hear the lie they want to hear. For example, the story of Ahab begins, first King 22. The story of Ahab, first King 22. When did you go and fight a war? So it, um, it was king of Israel. So the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, came to visit and he said, okay, let's go and fight together. Jehoshaphat asked him, okay, I'll, I'll fight with you, I'll go with you, right? But can we inquire of the Lord if we should go for this battle? So Ahab now went to call his sure prophets, people that tell him what he likes to hear every time. And they all said, go, you will win. Ah, we see a vision. You are wiping them everywhere. Go. All right? So, Joshua was like, something is off here. Is there no real prophet in the land? I mean, that even he knew that these ones are prophesying for money. They are some that are paid to talk. That is there no real prophet? Ahab now said, there's one guy. His name is Micaiah. He always gives me bad news. I don't like him. He always gives, of course, you have a bad king, so you get from God. <laughs> bad news. So he now sent for Micaiah. And that one first said, wind him now. Yeah, go now. You will win the battle. Yeah, Micaiah first said, go. He now said, Micaiah, I've always told you that when you come to me, don't bubble me, tell me the truth. Weird guy. So that one now told him the truth. That those guys that, that talked earlier, they are lying prophets. What they have to did? They have took him and locked him up and said, he's mad, can he call, can he call, can he call that? When he, when he goes and wins the one and comes back, he will release him. So you see what happened there? He heard the lie, wanted to hear, and chose the lie. But when you read that part of scripture, it's as though, you know, Micaiah said, you know, he saw a vision where there was a meeting in heaven, and God now asked, them that how who will you know how will Ahab go into this war and die? So now said a spirit now came and said, I will deceive Ahab, can you call, can you call to go? That God now said, Okay, be going. So when you read that, to be as though God planned for, for it to happen. It looks as if you look at if, if you don't if you don't read the Bible well, to be as though God set him up. But if God really did, Mekai will not tell him that okay, don't go, you will die. So to show that he was actually a foolish man, he told Micaiah, locked in prison, and went, and he died. <laughs> Coconutted, Promax. All right? So God does not lie. God does not partner with lies. You know, the Bible says that, um, that we should not be unbelievers. So also, God does not play with Satan. They don't discuss to plan what will happen in the world. Amen. So don't think that God and, God and Satan are planning your life like in quote Job. They don't talk. They're not on good terms. They don't do meetings. Amen. One day we'll see Job's matter and see how we, can, how we can make sense of it, okay? But from Scripture and from New Testament, we know clearly that God is not doing meeting with Satan, planning how to wreck, you know, people's lives. All right? 
So let's see some examples. Before then, John 8, John 8, 44. John 8, 44. Satan is the deceiver and the liar. John 8, 44. So, I was told in therapy that when I see difficult food that might, that might trip me up, I just start it slowly. But when you're on stage, it's a little harder to, <laughs> to practice, but we'll get over it, okay? Yeah. Glory to Jesus. John 8.44. All right. John 8.44. Are we there? NIV. Want to go. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. So we see with lies. Second Corinthians 11:13. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Not surprising then, if someone also masquerades as someone's righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. So again, Satan is the liar. Don't admit that, that as false teachers, false prophets, uh, you know, is their master and their king. It is not God that makes prophets to lie. Revelation 12.9. Revelation 12.9. 12, Revelation 12.9. 12, so, I'm learning this, okay? That when you have a challenge, go at, the, go at it everything you have. Go at it with everything you have. Go at every challenge with everything you have. You will go in prayer, physically. Whatever it takes, you will give it. As you are praying, you are taking every action it takes to win. You my point here, that you will not stay and be praying alone. You will do everything. You will do everything. Everything. As you are praying, if you want to go to the clinic, go to the clinic. Do everything. Just make sure you win. You get my point here? You make sure you don't sit waiting, down, you don't sit wait, waiting for, for healing and wholeness. You go at it. There are times when we pray as though God is not delaying us. But many times, he's asking us, Oga, take any action. Get moving. Win. Triumph. Do you understand? That some things require, you know, more than just prayer. It requires physical action. Training, exercise. Go at your desires. Amen. When you when, when times when we pray for things that doesn't happen, we now begin to blame God. God is asking us, Did I tell you that for this particular matter, all you should do is pray about it? That's what I told you. This matter, all you should do is pray. And if you seek help, it's bad. Okay? Get off religion. Get into faith. Amen. All right. Verse 9. Revelation 12, verse 9. The great dragon was hauled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was all to the earth and his angels with him again. So he's a deceiver. The one that leads people astray, not God. So let's see two examples in scripture. Two, two cases in scripture that we can use an example to emphasize what we've learned tonight. Alright? Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. Talking about spiritual blindness and the adding of people's hearts. Spiritual blindness and the adding of people's hearts. Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. Are we there? 
He said, Go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Verse 10, make the heart of these people calloused, meaning make their heart hard. Okay? Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So it looks here as though God is saying he wants it to be hard to not hear, so that they do not turn and be healed. All right. John 12. John 12. 37 to 40. John 12, 37 to 40. John 12, 37 to 40. Are we tired? Are we still learning? Are you tired? All right. John 12, 37 to 40. Should I just say I'm there? Want to go? Let's start again. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. Let's pause there again. After he had done many signs that should make them believe, they still would not believe him. His intention was that they would believe him. But they still would not believe him. All right? Verse 30. Verse 38, rather. 38. 38. So, so the prophet's words. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 39. For this reason, they could not believe. As Isaiah says elsewhere, 14. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. So they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. So again, it looks here, it says, he has blinded. All right. So here again, um, it's quoting Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. Okay? Let's go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 10 to 17. Matthew 13, 10 to 17. Are we there? The disciples came to him and asked him, Why do you speak to the people in parables? 11. He replied, Because the of the spirit of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. 12. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, him that way they have, will be taken from them. 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Look at this. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Verse 14. In them, through the prophecy of Isaiah, look at this. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. 15. For this people's heart has become callous. So this people's heart has become adding. Not that I have adding their hearts. Okay? So they only hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, turn with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So he's saying that it's not as though God adding their hearts. They adding their hearts and God lets them with their adding hearts. That God's will is that they will turn around from their hearts admin and hear so that he can heal them. So he spoke to them in parables so they can understand. So he are speaking to people that, that cannot understand deep things. So you now break it down into the, into the ways that I think they can pick something out of it. So he was, wasn't speaking to confuse them. He was speaking to make them see even in their blindness. That he broke it down so that they can pick something from it. Alright? Romans 1. 
verse 18 to 32. Romans 1, from verse 18 to 32. Are we there? Are we there? Once to go. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 19. Since what will be, be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Verse 20. Relax, relax. Verse 20. Want to go. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 21. For although they knew God, they did not glorified Him as God, nor gave Him thanks. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were, look at this, their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. It's not God that did it to them. It's their own choices and admin. So the one, the one, the one they were had, they had the gods. Alright? Verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. 23. The glory of the, of the mortal God, for images made to look like a mortal human being, okay, and birds, animals, and reptiles. 24, look at this. Therefore, God gave them over in full desires of their hearts, social, social, social impurity for the degrading of their bodies to one another. So it says that God gave them over. It's not as though God said, I will throw you into hardness or into sin, that God abandoned them to their choices. That what they chose is what they had. Do you understand? That what they chose is what they had. God left them with their, with their choices. Okay? 25. They exchanged about God for a lie. Worship and separated things other than creator. Okay, who is forever praised? So they made choices. They chose the lie. So it's not that God, you know, made them do it, but God abandoned them in their choices. So it's not that God made them hard. Are we together? Okay, it's God allowed them with their choices. God only strives with men for a, for a, for a period. When God tries to tell people, stop, 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 and they're not stopping, he has to leave them to their choices. That whatever they see in their choices, they chose it. That when man abandons, rejects God, God will try, okay, to make you see reasons. I want you not to see, God has to allow you to have your choices. It's respect. Hallelujah. All right? 2 Corinthians 4 4. 2 Corinthians 4 4. 2 Corinthians 4 4. Please tell me you're learning. Ah, you don't answer me. Ouch. 2 uh, Corinthians 4 4. 2 Corinthians 4 4. All right? The God of this age, small letter G, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. So they cannot see that of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the one that does blinding is the devil. And the devil does not, does not even, he cannot force your blindness. You have to actually yield to him. Okay, but he's the one that's in charge of the blindness. People can decide not to be blind. Okay, the devil might try his happening, but you, woman, still have a choice, you know, to make, okay, but the devil is one that makes people blind. John 3 19. 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 Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So it's not God that makes them blind, okay? People choose darkness. People yield to the devil. So God doesn't force his will on man. God does not force his will on man. Now let's see a more interesting case, all right? The admin of Pharaoh's art. Exodus 6, I have to rush to Pastor Lang because many of us are involved. We'll rush to be done in 10 minutes. Exodus 6, verse 1. All right. So, sorry, Exodus 3 first. 
Exodus 3 first, 18 to 20. Exodus 3, 18 to 20. Let's start from there. Exodus 3, 18 to 20. Are we there? Exodus 3, 18 to 20. If you are born in June, stand up, stand up. I'm just joking, sit down. <laughs> Actually, this is June. All right. Exodus 3, verse 18. One, two, go. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you are the elders that will go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey to the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Verse 19. Look at this. God speaking. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. God is speaking. This is the first word that God talks about, about Pharaoh. That I know this guy. This guy is hard. He will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Verse 20, so I will show that my hands, strike Egyptians with all the ones that I'll perform among them. After that, it will let you go. That only a strong hand, this guy has to see Shege. Okay? This guy is hard. God is making it clear first. I'm telling you we are going to meet the madman. All right? Amen. Okay, let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, from verse 21, 26. Chapter 4, from verse 21 to 26. Want to go? The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, say that you perform before Pharaoh. Yeah, to help you please. 21, are we there? Want to go? The Lord said to Moses, when we return to Egypt, okay, perform before Pharaoh, the one that I, I give the power to do, but I will add in his heart so that he will not let the people go. See that? At least he says, Pharaoh is a hard man. Therefore, he says, I will add in his heart. Okay? Let's go to chapter 6. Chapter 6. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. All right? Chapter 7, verse 3. 7, verse 3. Look at this. But I will add in Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and in Egypt, not listen to you, okay? Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and my of judgment. I will bring up my. So again, it says here again, you know, that God says, I will add in Pharaoh's. Okay? Verse 13 of the same chapter. Yet, Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them, okay? Just as the Lord had said. So here, you know, um, Moses threw his rod, it became a snake. Someone threw their rods and became a snake, you know. Moses' rod ate of the spirit of the snake. Uh, but even with that, Pharaoh did not listen. Okay? Pharaoh's heart was hard, okay? Pharaoh's heart became hard and would not let them go. Same chapter, verse 22. Same chapter, verse 22. 23. One, two, go. 22. Same chapter, verse 22, 23. Want to go, but the children magicians did the same things by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's art became hard. I know this to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. So I've seen two things, okay? We are seeing, the Bible say, the Lord adding Pharaoh's art. We are seeing Pharaoh's art became hard. But remember the first place, the first word at all. The Bible says that God said to Moses, this guy is a hard man. It will not let you go. So, we can see, there, are, there are other verses that, that, that talk about the same thing. That was art and all that kind of stuff, okay? But, now, we see clearly 
that before it happened at all, God told Moses, this guy is a hard guy. So it would be unfair on God to say that God, you know, made him hard and then punished him. Again, it is saying something that I've shown earlier, that God gives people over to their behavior. Are you together? Are you together? That God gives people over. That God gives people over to their behavior, to their hardness. You know, God will not force his will on anyone. Okay? So, the Bible here speaks as though God made it happen. When God only permitted it, allowed it to happen, and used it. So, God did not make him hard. God used, God used the hardness. So, God told Moses, See, I'm telling you, so you know that this guy is hard. That when it's hard before you, you will not be shocked or surprised. You, you won't feel like, ha, it's hard though. I already told you. Moses, you will not hear what. Do you understand? So Moses, Moses will know that Pharaoh will not still hear. He will not be shocked or alarmed. So Moses is not saying that God made Pharaoh hard, but that God allowed his hardness and used it. Not that's the question? That's you the mic. Just ask, okay, I'll, I'll work with back. There are real plagues, so it happened. Now, the plague became severer as, as it went on. That if he had any sense, it would have stopped at maybe frogs. But okay, he would not see here, so it kept on becoming more. That part time, I'll come out another day, okay? But um, the place became more severe, okay? The more it grew, uh, the more it became stubborn, the place grew you know, more, more severe, okay? But here we see clearly, okay, that it's not God that adding this art. It was hard, and God used it. Amen. Are we good on that? We saw in the NI Romans 1 that God gives people over to their behavior. So in James 1, that God tempts no one, you know, but people, you know, can choose to leave that freedom to leave it, use it, okay? And God allows them their behavior. So God is not the one making them hard or tempting them, okay? But God gives people over to their behavior. So when you see our, our world today, you can't tell me that God made you do it. If God could force his will on you, you'll behave well. If God will on you, pay your tithe. If God could force his will on you, and you, you will pay your tithe. <laughs> you will act towards everybody. So God is not the one forcing his will on anybody. People are choosing their actions, okay? And God allows people their actions and its consequences. All right? Continue from here next week, okay? Continue from here next week. Father, we we'll thank you for your word. We learn and we get better. We see you clearly in the person of Jesus. Father, thank you for understanding, for illumination. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Cheers to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9 a.m. and Wednesday by 6 p.m. to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.